You're listening to Metrics and Chill, where you'll learn how to improve key metrics that grow your business from companies that have done it before. In this episode, we're covering Hero Pipeline, a metric created by Chris Walker, the founder of Refine Labs. Hero stands for High Intent Revenue Opportunity. To be counted as Hero Pipeline, the deal has to come in through a high intent source with win rates that are greater than 3% from lead to win. So for example, book a call or schedule a demo or something like that. And then it's got to reach a deal stage in your pipeline that converts at a 25% rate for that cohort of opportunities. In this episode, you're going to learn the framework that Chris and the Refine Labs team use to increase Hero Pipeline by 76% for clients on average. Chris Walker is our guest today. Most of you listening to this podcast probably have seen Chris in one form or another on LinkedIn. He's a CEO at Refine Labs, and he's coming on the show today to talk about a metric that you guys sort of like coined, right, um, at, at Refine Labs. And he's going to tell us all about what it is, how they improved it, you know, the opportunity, all that kind of stuff. So before we get into that, though, Chris, why don't you tell everybody who Refine Labs actually is? Yeah, for sure. Happy to dive into that, John. So, um, so Refine Labs is a, I've kind of like, I guess manifested exactly what I was looking for when I was a marketing leader, which is that looking for a firm that's always out in front, that's always testing and innovating, that brings in experts, that is their job to figure out and pave the way of where marketing is going so that as a marketing leader, I can just attach onto them and follow to where they're going because they're paving the way because of our scale. Right. Um, and so given that we currently operate uh, marketing and go to market with over 50 B2B SaaS companies, we have a very unique view of how things are working across different buyer personas, industries, company sizes, go to market motions and things like that. Um, and so the learnings that we get rapidly accelerate. And so from the outside, people see us as a, you know, a better version of a marketing agency. And it's just so much more than, than that, which is exactly what I was looking for and intending to build. And so we, we run the execution across a lot of different demand generation and marketing and go to market programs, ops, demand, media, creative messaging strategy. And so we do those things. And those things are the reason that we're able to develop new strategies and new research about where things are going. And so when you, uh, uh, I challenge people to think a little bit about where they get their strategy insights and information from. Um, and when I do these polls qualitatively with CMOs, mm. I get a couple of answers, typically analyst firms like Gartner and Forrester, ad platforms like our, our marketers work with the Google ad reps or the LinkedIn ad reps or the vendors that the companies choose to work for, marketing or sales technology vendors, um, all of which push information and strategies that are in the best interest of showing you how their products work. Sure. Um, and so I believe that given that just the world is changing in such a way that those, a lot of those options made sense 10 years ago. And I think that in the new world, given just kind of how things are distributed, companies will use a, uh, a source for insights and strategy that's more objective. Right. Yeah. So you're kind of touching on that a bit, but what is being out in front? What does that actually mean? What what does being out in front mean? It means redefining what marketing is, how you should measure it, how you think about it, and and there and after you've done all of those things, how you execute on it. And so I believe, and my belief is strong here, that most B two B companies in marketing are stuck because of how they measure marketing 
and how they mm-hmm. think about marketing, not because of how they execute marketing, how they think about and measure it boxes marketers in to only doing certain things that are easy for technology to do and measure. Um, and so I'm helping people see that when you remove those assumptions that are no longer true about how you need to think about and measure marketing, that it opens up a world of all the things that you could do, which is what we're pioneering. And so my job is to be somewhere between two and five years ahead of the companies that hire us. What's an example of like an assum- like a, a common assumption that, that you hear either from clients or one that inspired you to start the agency to begin with that, that kind of grinds your gears a little bit or, or one that just, uh, yeah, you just hear commonly? Um, how companies think about attribution is, is, uh, is a really big one. And I continue to publish data, um, that we're seeing about how flawed those systems are and that companies should think about leveraging a blended or a hybrid model, leveraging software and other sources to come up with an idea of attribution, not just software alone. Um, I think the obsession about top of funnel or leading metrics like MQLs or other things that don't matter in marketing still, um, are a huge deal, especially from venture capitalists and private equity firms that don't operate. And so they push down metrics like that to companies that then need to hit those metrics to appease their board. Um, and I think it, it drives a lot of the wrong behaviors. So those are a couple that I see right now. <sighs> Throwing heat. Yeah. I, I, well, I think, I think too, like, uh, attribution, uh, often leads to, uh, marketers doing the things that are easiest to track, which you kind of said in not so many words before, right? Like, <laughs> and some of the most powerful channels, word of mouth, referrals, that kind of thing are historically harder to track. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's and not even there, just, but. it's so interesting. It's not even just about the channel. It's about the behavior in the channel, right? So if companies are running, the easiest example here is LinkedIn ads. There's so much power and capability in LinkedIn ads. The example that I give is you can imagine that you are running a television commercial or a billboard to your exact target accounts every single day. You could do it that way, but because of how companies measure marketing, the only way that their marketers can use it is to put content downloads with a download button in LinkedIn to collect $50 leads that never read the PDF. They submit their email address, it gets pushed into Marketo, but they actually never read the PDF if you look at the analytics, and they never buy. If you look at Mm -hmm. the data uh, trailing 12 months after they downloaded something like that, none of them buy. But And so there's a world of things that marketers could do if they weren't boxed in by metrics and, and thinking like that. Right. Or one out of 50 buying. It's like the most expensive customer that you've ever had. Uh, we, uh, we see one out of 1,000 uh, right. analyzing, <laughs> analyzing right. dozens of companies that run that tactic. 0.1% of MQLs converted by paid social lead gen convert into a, uh, a close one deal. What's, so what, what's your background? Because the agency is what, almost three years old? So what was your back? Like, how did you come into this? Like, were you a marketer by trade? Like, what, what is your background? So I'm a, I'm a engineer by trade. And so I studied electrical computer engineering and then um, worked in companies in, in engineering, process optimization, supply chain, manufacturing, product management, and then kind of like, so I got an, over the first three or four years of my career, got a nice breadth of scales of basically an MBA, but getting paid to do it. Um, and solving key business problems. Like if we are able to bring in parts from this country instead of sourcing them in LA, we can reduce our cost of goods sold by 30% and increase gross margin. The business becomes wildly more more profitable by doing one thing differently. 
Um, and so looking at a lot of those things at a business lens and then moving into product management, which was highly focused on going out and listening to customers and figuring out what do customers want? How are we going to develop a product roadmap? Where are we differentiated to position? Which I think is a huge skill that's missing in the, in the marketing and demand gen community right now. No interaction with customers, which drives therefore not a lot of real strategy insights. Um, and then moved into, in 2016, into venture-funded companies, high-growth venture-funded companies. First one was a Series D company called Vapotherm, where I basically built the foundation and the scaffolding for the marketing model that we use today, um, which was built around basically the elements that I talk about right now, dark social, non-direct response marketing, um, driving high-intent buyers through your website that convert to pipeline and revenue at a super high rate and not wasting your sales team's time with low-intent MQLs that don't convert. Um, and then just as that was able to scale up, in the first six months, you don't feel like that's really going to be able to do it. But as it scales up, it's happening with my company as well and a lot of the, some of the customers that have been with us for a longer period of time, that as you grow, and as someone that grew, grew up in SEO, I'm sure that you have the same feeling over a long... If you look at marketing in a long-term view... And you see how those things develop that, damn, like this stuff is really, really delivering now. And it's delivering at a significantly lower cost than outbound, way higher sales velocity, way more scalability. Um, like this is the best revenue channel in our business. And so um, that's what basically formed to me where the number one thing that marketers should be optimizing for is high intent buyers coming to their website saying, Hey, I want to buy now and coming through on their own, not direct response paid channels. Traditionally and traditionally harder things to track. So that kind of goes into my next question, which will be a really interesting one. Uh, considering like your, your viewpoint on this and the, and the agency's sort of ethos is like what metrics are most important Obviously, it's going to vary case by case and client by client. But what metrics do you set goals around for the Refine Labs team, and like which metrics are are really most important for for you guys to track at the client level? Yeah, so I think that you kind of have like your your business metrics, your tier one marketing metrics, and then your like tier two marketing metrics, which are more like guides. And so at a business level, the things that I'm reporting to our the CMO or the executive team of our customers is how much high, we call it hero pipeline, high intent revenue opportunity pipeline um, that closes at greater than 25%. So how much pipelines being created through the website that's qualified. The next one would be pipeline velocity of deals sourced through that channel on the high intent um, conversions on the website. The, la the next one would be revenue on those channels and then cost per qualified pipeline dollar and cost per acquisition. So those five metrics really are a flag in the ground standardized to look across all of our 50 customers and be like, how is each customer performing relative to others? What were they doing before they joined six months after they're with us, 12 months after they're with us? What's the progression? And when you implement this model, and interestingly, the number one metric that the metric that moves the most is pipeline velocity, which is the most important metric in business. How much pipeline flows through your, your funnel and becomes closed one deals? Because it integrates not only how much pipeline you're creating, but also close rates, uh, sales cycle lengths, and average ARR, which we move all three of those in a positive way too, um, that don't get reflected if you just look at how much pipeline is being created. So I think that uh, pipeline velocity is a really interesting metric for, for people to standardize on as well. And you touched on this a bit just now. You talked about the you know six months trailing, six months after you've been working with a client, 12 months after. 
what uh getting more specific there like talk about which metrics are important to track on a weekly basis which one you know which ones you zoom out a little bit more monthly quarterly like how, what's that breakdown look like of, of all those metrics because that's not something you're going to track on a weekly basis for some of those but uh, are there certain lagging indicators that you do look at on a weekly basis that keeps everyone on track Mm, it depends how you define lagging, right? So like, um, we're looking at high, high intent conversions. So how many people come to the website and say, Hey, I want to buy now. How many of those people come through? How many of those people move to a meeting? How many of those people move to what we call hero pipeline, which wins at greater than 25%. So those are the three kind of like, I guess they're leading metrics in my view, but they're probably lagging metrics for some people. And so those are interesting metrics. And then from before that, you need to start looking at what are other, what are the components that lead up to that? And so I, I challenge marketers to think because marketers look for metrics that are easy to move and easy to measure um, to make them feel safe that things are happening so they can report back stuff like, like website traffic, like, right, clicks, yeah. you know, likes or engagement on a post and stuff mm-hmm. like that that doesn't matter usually. Yeah. Um, and so I'm challenging people to think. And the metrics that we find highly correlated with pipeline and things are um, growth of direct traffic. So that is a traffic metric, but a specific uh, source of traffic, which is impossible to game. So growth of direct traffic, um, number of page views to that actual page. So high intent pages. And then you could look at some level of like account metrics, um, how many qualified accounts that fit into your ICP have been to your website or some form like that. Um, And then we have channel level metrics that we're looking at. So on each individual channel, what's the performance in terms of like how many how many impressions are being delivered? Who are those impressions being served to? What's the click-through rate? We have custom attribution to look at who's actually like seeing or clicking on the ads and then actually converting within a 30-day window. Um, Although some of the privacy policies that have been implemented like iOS 14 and forthcoming iOS 15 have made those types of methods work less. Um, And so people should be prepared because we're not going backwards here on privacy and tracking. We're going forwards. Stuff's going away. Um, And so to sort of react or, or, yeah, react to that, we implemented something that feels, as I talk about it more and more, feels so simple and it's so effective, which is just putting on on the form on your website, how did you hear about us and giving people a free text required field of what they where they heard about you and you get all the things that make perfect sense. You get LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, um, word of mouth, colleague, community, all the things that don't get measured by attribution software come to fruition there. Brick and mortar. Anyone who owns a brick and mortar store listens to stuff like that and they're like, yeah, we've been doing that forever. Like the, how did you hear about us? Right? Like, uh, SAS continues to borrow these long withheld, uh, uh, ideas and, and things that brick and mortar and, and retail and like physical locations have been doing forever that work, right? How did you hear about it? Simple and effective, mm-hmm. right? When you're doing, um, when you're not all direct response marketing, you got to do it. Right. Software's not going to measure it. Yeah. Uh, I want to get into the weeds. It's like direct traffic. You said it can't be gamed and, and it's right. It's not something you can game. So how do you influence that? You influence direct traffic by marketing to people in other places that then drive repeat visits on the website. Um, and so when we, what we find is that when we're using LinkedIn ads or you could organic, it doesn't matter marketing in social media channels and you're actually doing it well and you're doing it at scale, typically paid will make this go this effect happen faster so you can actually see it. But as you put that in more people are then coming back later and they either pass through Google or they already have it in their browser and they re they reenter. Um, and it gets chalked up to direct traffic and we're seeing that increase quite a bit right now. Nice. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and so 
okay, these are the, these are the sort of metrics you kind of went through the different tiers and the different levels of metrics and how you're tracking them and the frequency. So like, what's what's one metric? And you've already kind of teased it, the hero metric that the the team has recently improved and and that's had the biggest impact on the business. So tell us, like, you, you kind of gone through it a bit, the hero metric, high intent revenue opportunities, but you, you this is something you sort of coined. Like, what is that? Yeah. Yeah, so let's go through exactly how we got here. So what I was doing about six months, maybe even more than that, six, nine months ago, was I was looking at all of our customers at that point, probably 30 different SaaS companies, and I was trying to see, okay, out of all of these companies, like what's how many advertising dollars, how many pipeline dollars do they get for every dollar they spend in ads? Or like what's the growth of their pipeline from when they started to, to now? And the thing that I found as I went through that is no company defines qualified pipeline the same. It's all a different definition. Um, and it's all just based on, so there's all, uh, there's varying definitions of what qualified pipeline means. I would go for some companies and it would be meeting booked with an SDR. They've never talked to a rep. They win those deals at less than 10%, but that's considered a qualified opportunity. Somebody who just raises their hand. Other, right. other yeah. companies don't even create an opportunity until they're going to win that deal at more than 50%. And so there's just like these really, really big swings. And so when you see these people saying, hey, look at how, look at this case study, look at how we created $10 million in pipeline in 90 days. And then you look at, oh, but what's the definition of pipeline? Oh, they booked a meeting with an SDR. Um, so anyway, all those different signals were happening, which is like basically there's no standardized definition so that companies can benchmark their performance against others, which leads to people taking anecdotal data making and I think making the wrong decisions on that data because they don't have clear definitions of what people are talking about. It's like comparing apples and oranges to make it easy. And so what I set out to do was basically build the metric system for marketing. How should marketing be measured and how can we define it in a standardized way based on performance data, not opinions, so that everyone if they want everyone if they wanted to could benchmark their performance against other people's with a standardized definition. And so one of the metrics that we came up with, and there's actually quite a few, and the, the thinking here is that over time, there will not be the MQL, SQL, SQO that's been running around companies for a very long time. Um, and we'll actually create a new system that companies will use with our definitions that are standardized based on performance metrics. And so one of them is uh, HERO Pipeline, which stands for High Intent Revenue Opportunity Pipeline, which is defined by the people must come through a high intent source, like uh, request a demo, chat, ask for pricing, things like that. Sources that have win rates greater than 3% from lead to win. So high intent based on win rates. Um, so they have to come through those sources and they must reach a deal stage in your pipeline that you win those opportunities more than 25% for that cohort of opportunities. Um, and so the thing that I'm seeing and the reason that I have a win rate metric there is because it's a quality control metric for marketing to make sure if these deals stop winning at 25%, then the definition of pipeline changes to a later stage so that we're always aligned with sales team performance. And so it creates complete alignment with revenue without needing to wait for the lagging metric of revenue by using a win, a win rate quality control metric. Um, and I think that it's the future of uh, marketing and sales alignment. Right. So you kind of protect against that. Some marketing teams tracking just people raising their hand. That's a qualified lead or vice versa. The ones that are like, it's, it's, you know, it, the deal's about to close. Right. And now, now that's qualified. 
Um, and so based the definition on the sources, of varies. Sorry, I just want to get this one in here for the listeners. Yeah, yeah. And based on the sources that I mentioned, high intent sources that convert from lead raw conversion to win at greater than 3%. And the reason mm-hmm. there is because if you go into your Salesforce data and you look at some of the things that you do, LinkedIn to LinkedIn ads to ebook downloads, your G2 ads, content syndication, other things that you do, and you have a sales action happening after that trigger, which most people do, and you can look at that at lead to win, your lead to win rates will be less than 0.2%. I mean, when they're less than 0.2%, that means that your sales rep needs to make 500 calls to win one deal, which is highly unproductive and not aligned with sales outcomes. And so if you standardized your definition on that, you would immediately see all the places where you're creating leads that create vanity metrics that don't help your sales team win. Um, And so there's basically two things in here. What are the sources of pipeline that actually buy? And where does marketing need to optimize for to make sure that sales is going to hit their target this quarter and in the future? So tell us about some of the things, the activities that you're doing for clients that, that achieves. Cause I would imagine that, and this is the whole, the whole thesis behind you starting the agency, the, the same playbook isn't working, you know, obviously not for everybody. That's always been the case, but maybe the same playbook from 2012 isn't working. So you're doing some different things. So like at a high level, like what is your team doing to move this metric, this hero metric? The, sh- the shift here, um, and this metric gets moved indirectly. So uh, lack of attribution, at least by software measures that people have and non-direct response are not going to happen like boom, boom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but the, the secret here is rebalancing your focus and your budget between creating demand and capturing demand. And marketing, and so just for for definitions here, capturing demand is waiting in channels where people have demonstrated intent, where they are solution aware and looking to buy something like Google or review sites or places like that. People need to have some level of wanting to buy something if they end up in your category of G2 or they search for your category of product or your brand name in Google. Um, But because, and because of that, so there's capturing demand and then you have creating demand, which is people that are not in market that are not solution aware or are generally at the moment, not demonstrating intent to buy what you're selling. And we need different strategies for marketing to those different types of people. And so because of how companies measure marketing and how they run marketing attribution, they only focus on capturing demand. And if you only focus on capturing demand, there's only so many buyers that are solution aware and looking for what you're buying at any one time and the way that they're figuring that out you have no control over right now so you're just waiting for some word of mouth in the market that you don't feel like Mm -hmm. you have control over or for one of your competitors to do some type of create demand strategy and then you kind of like you know um siphon off of that a little bit and get a little bit of the that benefit um but generate or you wait for intent data and then you call people that have already reached that those types of stages with intent but generally what you need to do in your business to grow this number is you need to be in the control of the flow of new buyers entering market to buy. Um, And the way that you do that is you need to break all of the rules that you currently live in under marketing about how you measure and how you think about it. And so we... um, What are some of those rules? Yeah, I mean, the rules we've gone through, mainly attribution and measurement. um, But when you think about like what you could do and it's it's not that complicated. It's like when buyers are not in market with intent showing that they're ready to buy, we're not going to try and convert them into leads. We're going to educate them on the, the category, the business problems that we solve, the customers that are having success with it right now, our specific differentiating features that our competitors don't have, the, the ability, you know what I mean? These types of things that at the moment companies wait 
for a salesperson to mm-hmm. sit on a demo to educate them. Why can't like it's we're in a place where marketing has all these tools available, LinkedIn, where you can target exact job titles of who you're selling to at exact accounts if you want to. And take that and instead of trying to give someone a gift card to sit on one demo with your sales team to tell them something, why wouldn't marketing do that at scale to all of your accounts? And that's essentially like to, we that's pretty much it. It's not that it's not that complicated. Great messaging that resonates that can be consumed natively inside of the channels that people are in that deliver a message that helps people understand more to think about to be the trigger for them to ask coworkers to get in a community and try and see, hey, who's has anyone used this product or company or firm before to start to share content and potentially their own internal Slack channels or to bring it up into a meeting to be basically to be the seed to start the dark social movement where people actually start to buy things. And right now, companies don't think about being that trigger so that they don't control that that piece of the process. How do you actually be a trigger? Like what, what's the actual output from that? Is it, you said create messaging. Is that ads? Is that content? Is that video? Is that all of the above? Is it none of the all, above? Yeah, like, all the above. Um, the distribute, whether the distribution channel is paid or organic in these strategies doesn't matter to me. It's actually quite like the, the goal that I mentioned is the same. We need to educate people so that they share content or start to have internal or external conversations about the category of the product. And so the, the ideal is to actually use both, to use paid, to guarantee delivery to exact accounts that you want, that you, that you have to pay for, and then to use organic to get free delivery, but you actually can't control the actual distribution of the content and who's seeing it. So using both together is ideal. The content that you're going to put out could be a little bit different, but um, some of the things that we do there is uh, a lot of product and category marketing right now. Um, and so it's amazing, like how many people... How many of your target buyers have heard of your company name and would associate your company name with a category, but have literally no idea what your product does or why it's different than anyone else? That's pretty much, that's probably almost every SaaS company out there right now. And the reason is because you're not actively communicating those things with the market so that they understand them. And as they understand them, funny things happen. They start to see the business problems that you're talking about inside of their business. They start to see the opportunities to use that feature when right now they're using a spreadsheet. But because they don't have that initial awareness to them, they don't see those things and the buying process never starts. And so, um, yeah, like a long form video like I post on LinkedIn, a podcast. We use a lot of paid media because we believe that it moves things a lot faster and we have Mm -hmm. a lot more control over it. And so a lot of the companies that we work with don't have 12 or 18 months for an organic strategy to really play out. So we run paid and organic in parallel. So while they're building organic... We're creating paid social. Space with like paid. What, what's more effect, effective there? Paid social, paid search, both. Uh, paid search is really a captured demand strategy. People need to be solution or brand aware to make that search, um, and so we uh, we typically to create demand focus on paid social. We do run paid search, but the way that we balance budgets is quite different than how people think about it right now. Right. Um, so right. paid social is is highly effective. Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn are the majors. We're actually seeing quite a bit of success with experiments on Reddit and Quora right now as well. And we'll be experimenting as the targeting gets better with connected TV. We're going to be experimenting with connected TV later this year. Right, right. Um, so it sounds like a lot of organic too, right? Like organic and you're, you're using the paid media because it speeds things up. Um, but uh, would you say more of the clients you're working with are investing more on the paid media side to educate people and, and create demand? Or, or get, is it a 50-50 split? Like what does that look like? I think it depends on the company. Um, and the... 
our focus is on a lot on the paid side, like I mentioned, because and my belief and oh, we're kind of going a tangent here, but my belief is that companies will in the future and there it's already happening. So I'm more of just like communicating what's already happening and believe that it will continue to grow is we'll use a leverage, a hybrid talent model in the future, pairing uh, internal experts that are focused on product strategy, customer insights and uh, company strategy paired with external experts that are experts with frameworks, processes, intellectual property, other trade secrets that they, because of the scale that they have, can bring them into the company that then that company can use because they have the customer insights, the product insights, everything like that. At the moment, most marketers don't focus on product strategy, customer insights, things like that, because they're too busy trying to figure out how to bid on Google or figure out how to the best way to collect leads. Um, and so I'm thinking about trying to figure out how talent actually gets shifted in the focuses of that. Oh, and so, so given our position as an external firm, what we help companies do is create the space where we're delivering on their pipeline targets by using paid channels so that they can ramp their organic channels because they're in the position to, to do the organic, not us. They have the customer insights. They have the company strategy and the story. They have the product strategy there so we can provide a framework, but they actually have to do the work there. Um, and so we help them kind of like get that stuff moving and leveraging paid, which doesn't slow down once organic is built. Right. But definitely, um, uh, how do I say this in the right way? Uh, most marketing leaders in a series C or D company that tried to, to create an organic strategy with, with no paid, um, outcome behind it with aggressive goals and like series CD, you just got private equity or some big round or something like that. You're going to be fired before your organic strategy works. You're going to, you're going to need some short-term firepower. Um, and so we help with that. Right. Yeah. That gives them the investment too later on that they can invest more in organic. Um, so long as the pipeline's growing and, and delivering as, as you guys set them up. Um, so like, what are the typical, like usually on this show, what we'll do is we'll have people on, they'll tell us about a specific metric from their company or a client that they grew. This one, we're talking a little bit more generally, but like in terms of results, do you have like. What comes to mind in terms of, is there a specific client or what, what's a typical result? What's a typical time frame look like? Like, is there, is there a particular success story you have in mind? That's, that's one you often refer to or, or, or comes to mind when somebody asks you like, what, what, what are the results of, of, of focusing on the hero metrics and, and employing the strategies that, uh, the agency does? Yeah. So, so we have, uh, researched a cohort of 20 B2B SaaS companies that had historical data clean historical data for at least six months before they started working with us and then compared that mm -hmm. against the six months after working with us and then looked at that against the hero metric. Um, and across 20 companies, the median was an increase of 76% in terms of pipelines. So you can imagine whatever series C or D company doing two mil in pipeline uh, a quarter before they hire us. And then six months later, they're doing three mil a quarter in pipeline. So a pretty dramatic increase when you think about, um, Actually, 76% is even higher than that. That's only 50%, but you get what I'm saying. So a pretty dramatic increase, and that's the median. Um, and so that's that's a good step in the right direction. And then a, some companies, in the, the a, a good story to tell here is if you can fully shift both your thinking about how you think about leads and how you think about attribution, what can happen. A company hired us in, um, in uh, February of 2020, pre-pandemic. And they, um, the year before they just started their next financial year, the year before that, uh, I was doing an analysis and they collected a little over 36,000 MQLs, um, from those programs. 
And out of all of those MQLs, they closed 40 deals, which is around one out of a thousand leads become a customer, which is fucking terrible. I don't know if we're allowed to swear on there, but that was justified. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So 36,000 leads closed 40 deals. And we're talking 40, 50 K ARR deals, not, not million dollar deals. So there's like not very low productivity against spend and leads and everything. And what we did is we looked at out of those 40 leads, where did they come from? Or the 40 leads that became customers and a couple of them came from events, but more than 90% of them had come from their going to their website and saying, Hey, I'd love to buy from you. Can I see a demo? And so instead of using LinkedIn to collect ebook downloads and push them through marketing automation and Google ads to do the same thing so that SDRs can chase people around, we instead focused the strategy on driving people through the places that are already demonstrated to drive revenue at a good win rate, lead to win rate was 7%, SQO win rate was 20%, um, sales cycle at that point was 120 days. And over the next, we're coming up on two years as that, uh, from that, as that, as a customer, uh, that company used to generate about $1.3 million a quarter in, in pipeline. And now they generate over $9 million a quarter. So close to a thousand, close to a thousand, maybe 800% increase in pipeline over a two year period of time, quarterly production that has continuous to grow out of that eight, whatever, eight, 9 million, they're going to win 34% of the pipeline right now. So they used to win that pipeline at 20%. Now they're going to win it at 34%, which means that out of the 8 million that we did in Q4, they're probably going to win whatever the math is in the head, in my head. Almost three million, <laughs> two and a half, three million dollars in pipe in revenue that they're going to get through that pipeline created, that used to be about three hundred k ARR, and when you think about three million a quarter, if that can, if that even just scales, like that stays stable mm-hmm. through the next financial year, we won't even consider this fifty to hundred percent increase that we're planning on next year. Let's just say it stays stable. That means they're going to do twelve million dollars in net in net new revenue through the channel that we've helped them build which will create a business value at uh, 15x valuation, probably 15x revenue valuation, which adds close to $200 million in enterprise business value. What series, what, what stage you say these companies are typically at? Series C, Series D? Yeah, that company had just raised a Series C when they hired us and they've finished a, finished a D since then. Is that um, the typical client uh, that comes to you guys usually around we, that stage? We work pre-IPO, so A all the way to pre-IPO. Um, C and D is a popular stage to enter for us. Um, and so that's like, there's a couple of key components there. When we, when we're driving that, uh, that outcome in the first year, they went from 36,000 MQLs to 2,400. So MQLs went down by about 95%. (laughs) Um, and with that revenue went up by more than 200% by focusing on leads that actually buy and working to drive buyers through a funnel that actually converts, not trying to fix or drive people through a funnel that definitely doesn't convert and just try and drive more people through it. That was one what big takeaway. What were those takeaway. channels that were existing for the, there was events you said was a couple, but uh, direct? They get was they it- get 90% of their revenue through what we call the pipe channel, which is high intent buyers coming to the website saying, I want to buy now. Come to the website, how? Direct? Uh, it doesn't matter, direct, organic, yeah. Pay, yeah. paid search like the, it'll come through all those but the main channels are direct organic or branded paid search or is the majority of the revenue comes from right um the second piece that people need to understand is looking at marketing in a long-term window that was a two-year period of time 
from doing 1.3 million a quarter to doing eight million dollars in a quarter took three years. Or sorry, two, uh, let me rephrase that: two years. Most people think that they're in their plan. Some I'm looking at some plans that think that's going to happen in two quarters or one quarter from one to eight. It's completely unrealistic. Um, and so those those results are things that you continue to take with you. Um, it's easy to pump up metrics that don't actually convert. And so I'm trying to push people to look at like, there's almost no metrics that I look at weekly. Right. Right. That's uh that's good. So, and, and really the, the last question I usually ask people and you've already kind of walked through this is how you actually measure the results. And really, like you said, it was more of a co at least for the results you were just sharing. You're looking at a cohort analysis six months prior to companies working with you six months after really you're looking at, the hero metric, right? And pipeline created and things like that. Do I have that right? Yeah. Yeah. We look, we look at about 25 key business metrics, uh, on a s six months before to six months after. Right. Right. Cool. Um, this was great, Chris. Thanks for, thanks for coming on, man. And, and sharing as much as you did. I mean, we could, uh, I feel like I could keep going on this for, for double the amount of time, but this was, I think really insightful. I think people are going to get a lot out of this. Yeah, man. I really appreciate you. Uh, Really appreciate you having me on the show to share this. And if anyone's interested in learning uh, more, we publish a lot of information about the hero metric on our podcast, and we will be formally publishing it before the end of Q2. And so people that want to take that information and implement it at their company or consider at least be aware of it. So it's just something to look out for to replace the MQL SQL model that's been around in companies for 20 years, uh, something that you could consider and that will be forthcoming. Where can they find that resource once it's published? Uh, that resource will be published eventually on a new product that we're developing called The Vault, which, high, which holds all of our intellectual property, research, trade secrets, benchmarks, things like that, that we develop through scale. Um, and so I believe that it's a unique resource that's actually never been built before, and I'm looking forward to sharing it with people. Uh, will that be on the Refine Labs domain, or is that going to be its own thing? Um, haven't decided. It could be vault.refinelabs.com. It might be... Uh, the vaults.com is probably not going to be available. So we'll have to figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> you can always try to yeah, acquire it, but I'm yeah, sure that'd be, so that'd be stay tuned pricey. for more. Uh, clearly, we haven't worked out all the details yet, but stay tuned. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it, John. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.